reached your destination. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast. This is episode 35. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Joining me is Jeff Johnson, my co-host, producer, and amazing friend. And today we're going to talk about a chapter in the book, The Lost Frontier Handbook. And this chapter is uh, about 75 obsolete items that will be essential again. So I told Jeff, let's let's address this. I was actually on a, our good friend Mike's show a couple weeks ago, Jeff, and, and he brought up this chapter as well. And this is stuff that I, I like to discuss. So here's what we're going to say. If you, if you have the book and you are participating in the audience, get it out, look at this chapter, and come up with a few of your own items that you think will be essential to you. And we will share those in the comments. And then Jeff and I have also come up with a few of our own that didn't make it into the book. So we'll be uh, sharing our lists. Before we get going, you can follow us on Facebook live. The live presentation is on Suzanne Sherman's The Wasatch Report radio show. The Red Hot Chili Prepper is the page for this podcast. But because we have so many more people watching on the former, that's where we just do our broadcasting from. So again, if you're here live, tell us your favorite items from the book and also come up with a few of your own. And Jeff has the link if you don't have the book where you can get it. When you do order the physical copy, which is available, and this is it, I have it open for our chapter, uh, you will also get an electronic version. I know some people have ordered it early on and they say, I never got it. Well, that was the e-version you got. Check on your uh, check in your spam folder if you didn't have it. And if you're having issues, you can get the book at lostfrontierhandbook.com. If you're having some concerns or questions about the delivery, email them at support at lostfrontierhandbook.com and they will get to you. If you still don't have satisfaction on your inquiry, reach out to me directly. Also, if you're not listening live, you can check us out on Anchor FM. In fact, if you do normally listen live on Facebook, we'd appreciate it if you play it because that's how we get monetized. It doesn't cost you anything to play it. We assure you that it is safe for work and safe around kids. Play it in the background. Your friends will learn a few things. That's how we get monetized. It doesn't cost you anything to do it. You are also welcome to support the page. We're just going over. There are some folks that are supporting monthly. We really, really do appreciate that. And uh, please share the apps that you're using, rate them, uh, download. That will direct more traffic there. Also, SuzanneCSherman.com will have all my published articles. Also, preparedness blogs wrote exclusively for my own webpage is also there, as well as suggested reading. Got a nice little gift card from Amazon. Doesn't cost you anything to use our affiliate links. There's some great reading material there. So, Jeff, it's really, uh, this is going to be a fun show. I'm looking forward to this. I have the doors and windows all wide open. It is nice and cool in the mountains, finally, and we're getting some very, very much needed rain. The weather conditions here are reminding me, we need to do another wildfire evac program. I think I'm going to put that on our list of things to do. But today we're going to talk about this chapter. I think Andrew said it's on page 122 of the Lost Frontier Handbook. But this is um, about it's one twenty seven. In my physical book, it's one twenty seven. Oh, one twenty seven. Okay. The list starts one twenty six, okay. one twenty seven. The list starts on that page. So these are items that might seem to be obsolete today to some people that will be essential 
when there is a long-term collapse or loss of services, however you want to discuss. I think Jeff and I will each will go back and forth. We don't know what the others have, and then we'll add our own. So we'll take turns. Jeff, how about you go first? All right. My uh, number five item is a meat grinder. If you're going to have food, you're going to have to be able to process your food. And there could be any reason why you would need to process your food. A, a grid down, even if it's um, a winter storm that knocks out your power for a week, which is not un... It has happened even here in New York. I mean, I believe in the northern, in the upper reaches of New York, up by the Canadian border, they had a big ice storm a decade or so ago that knocked out power for about two weeks. I mean, it, it knocked out every power pole for miles around, and it took them weeks to get all the poles replaced. So people were scrambling. People were going to firehouses. They were putting power there so that people could come and get food there. Uh, there was a lot of reasons. So you might have to make your own food. And so the one they picture is a hand crank one, which would be a good idea. Because if you if you don't have power, what's the point of having that nice KitchenAid grinder um, if you can't use it? So, you know, get a hand crank one. That was my number five, because you just never know when you have to make your own food. I wholeheartedly agree with that one, no pun intended. And I do have a meat grinder, but I do not have a hand crank one that does not require power. On my list of things that I do want to get that didn't make the list for the show um, was also a grinder for grains and milling so you can make some flour as well. So um, it's a lot easier to store some grains than it is massive amounts of flour because the weevils or whatever else you'll get in it. But with grains and uh, things like that, you can add some diatomaceous earth to keep the little critters from hatching and growing in there. So yes, meat grinder, good choice. Um, along a related line, I'll share one of mine. And that was, it wasn't named under this. They called it a rotisserie and then also a swivel for moving cast iron outdoor cookware, which I love. Um, so I kind of put this all in one outdoor cooking. If you don't have power in your home, you might have to revert to cooking with alternative sources of fuel. So I have a wood stove in my home. I've actually cooked on top of that. But if you prefer to cook outdoors and can do so safely without attracting other people who might be opportunistic and needing some food, by all means. And I'm going to have a friend on the show to talk about his product, my friend uh, Justin who makes his own outdoor and it's not cast iron, but this is what I love about his products is he's taking goods or um, equipment that we have that is already readily available and converting it into something that's productive in a post, um, you know, if you're not on the grid or a post collapse or whatever, if you just have to cut back scenario and he uses rebar and he makes that whole thing with the tripods and, and even that rotisserie that goes over your campfire the swivel that you want to uh, hang other equipment from or the hooks that you can hang your coffee pot over the fire, Dutch ovens, whatever. He makes all of that um, out of rebar. And it's really nice. I'm actually having a set set to my house because I wanted to measure my fire pit before I just bought one of his sets. But I, if you go to um, the Red Hot Chili Prepper page, I believe I have some pictures up from the um, outdoor skills class that I took. So that's mine. And I'll put a picture of that up 
on there. Yes, Dulce, I love Justin Miller's Camp Irons, and I'm going to be having a set. And uh, Phil is saying your oven uh, rack will work great over a campfire. I love that. So think about if you haven't gotten everything, don't beat yourself up. If you say, man, I never got around to ordering that cast iron, you know, outdoor set. Take what you have and work with it. There's no reason you can't put your oven rack over the campfire. Great, great, great contribution. Okay, Jeff, any thoughts before you move on to one of yours? Well, my next one was rotisserie spit. We were both were thinking exactly the same. We like uh, our food, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and so my next one was uh, rotisserie. I'll have to go to my next one after that. But um, you also hit on my add-on, because I, it wasn't on the list, was cast iron cookware. Um, and as an aside to that, you, you can use it outside. I have a big tripod that you put over the fire uh, your fire pit. And you cook, we've used the Dutch oven a number of times over fire put, uh, pit and cook chilies and all kinds of stuff. You can do biscuits. We put uh, biscuits in there. We've done all manner of things in the Dutch oven. And so the cast iron is a great thing to have so you can cook outside. But don't discount the fact that if you have a fireplace in your house, that same tripod may be able to fit up under uh, your um, your flue. It's pretty tall, so it may need to be cut down if your flue is not real tall. But you could use that tripod in there, uh, build your fire, and then put your Dutch oven. And you could actually cook inside your house in your fireplace. So that is another option for cast iron that if you don't have power for long period of times and you do have a fireplace, you can still make great meals uh, inside your fireplace and still then be inside and have a little bit of security. And privacy. So I'm going to go to my next one since you stole my thunder there. Um, I'm going to go to kerosene heater. Like I said a minute ago, um, up in the north country here, and it was sub-zero. I mean, it was uh, very, very cold. They had a massive ice storm, and they didn't have power for uh, at least two weeks up there. So if you're going to save your pipes, your water pipes in your house, or be able to just to stay warm, uh, you may need an alternative uh, heat source. Now. A lot of people have wood stoves, and that isn't a very good thing to have. But if for some reason you can't get out of your house to get to wood and stuff, you still you may still be able to use a kerosene heater. So more options is always better than having fewer. And let's clarify, are those safe for use inside the home? We know that absolutely you never want to use a generator inside yeah. your home, but a kerosene heater is not going to uh, um, emit the no. toxic fumes. Now, when I, I'll tell you what I do. Usually I put it right here in, in the kitchen. The water is pretty central to this area. And so what I do is there's a window straight in front of me right now, and I keep it cracked. And I keep a window over there on the other side, uh, over in the living room. I keep it cracked to make sure there's enough fresh air coming in. And they are uh, safe. And they do have, uh, and as Andrew said, they have propane heaters. If you have propane, you could always do that. It's just an alternative uh, heat source of alternative to wood or, what, or whatever it is. Just have something to back it up. So, you don't, I mean, it's, you know, you don't want to lose all your pipes and stuff in the house. Yeah. And one way you can make that go farther is if you have rooms that are outlying that you're not really having to access, close those off. The two smaller bedrooms in my house, they're on an, a part of my house that isn't very well protected. They get very cold in the winter. I will close those off. And if I do that, I'll 
never had to once run my uh, actual furnace. We're going to take a quick break for our friends at Anchor FM, and then we will be back to continue this discussion about essential items. back everybody today jeff and i are talking about the lost frontier handbooks chapter on essential items that will be uh, or items that are considered obsolete that will one day be considered essential and we've each made a list and now we are comparing so far we've got some outdoor cooking stuff some uh we've talked about a kerosene heater as well as let's see what else have we gotten into oh cast iron cookware so, you know, when they talk about what are the essential means of survival, they always say it the same way, food, water, shelter. So it's not like it, uh, we're saying it, there's a reason why we're putting, putting all this uh, food stuff up there. So good discussion. Speaking along those lines, I think it's my turn, a can opener. All your preps and aren't going to do you any good if you cannot access them. A lot of people have canned goods. I have a lot of canned goods. I will look also for the pop-top cans. I know Chunky Soups and many soups are incorporating that, um, many products, even canned vegetables. So if you can find something like that, and if you're in a situation, I know I said that, that famous phrase, when you're in a survival situation, when you're in one of those situations, if you can skip a step to accessing something you need, why not do it? If you don't have it, though, we've had to open a can in the woods using a very sharp knife. I prefer not to do that. You're running a risk of uh, getting a laceration, injuring yourself. You can also, as Phil says, grind the can on concrete to open them. That's one option. Again, that is a labor intensive uh, means by which to do it. And then you also have the risk of getting some of the filings in the food, unless you're very careful. That absolutely is the way to access your food. I would prefer be before having to do that or to use a really sharp knife, which isn't going to be great for your blade anyway. Either get the pop-offs or have lots of can openers because if you lose one, nothing works. So let's see. Um, how about you, Jeff? I agree on the can opener. I almost picked that one, but I thought, oh, you know what? That's a pretty obvious one. Suzanne's going to get that one. So I didn't. <laughs> Suzanne's so... never going to pick up on the more obscure heady stuff on here. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, I I actually went to some old school stuff. It actually, my next one was number six on your list in the book, uh, Compass. But I also have a slash five with that because a compass doesn't do you a whole heck of a lot of good without having the maps to go along with it. So I keep topographical maps of this area. 
I had a book of topographical maps of Pennsylvania, but learn how to travel using a compass. Take an orienteering class. Uh, there's a lot of people around that teach that, and they'll set up points, and you'll uh, use your map and compass, and you'll go and find waypoints. It'll help you to navigate using maps and compass. And I and it, let's go. Let's be honest. It, let's you have to go old school in some of these things when you are in a situation where uh, the grid may be down. Some of these things also that aren't obvious, but that will be deemed essential. I just want to carry from the last one over. A can opener is not an obsolete item. But it kind of is because how many people actually cook their own food these days? I mean, we're inundated with advertisements where not only can you not buy ready-made food out in the stores, they'll bring it to your door. So I think it's, um, I think this item is more obsolete than we really think. With regards to the compass, I actually was going to put that up there. I had maps as one of the first things I put down too. And I figured, you know, if we have to pick and choose, certain items. I would forego the compass from the top of my list simply because if you know the skills on navigation, a compass might be something you could forego if you have the mental skills and the, um, you know, the primitive skill on that. So, and that's one of the reasons I love the primitive survival school of thought too. If you have no gear, you can still accomplish the same purpose with that. But uh, compass, maps, absolutely. In fact, I encourage people to learn how to read them now. How many people, some friends of mine were asking their daughter who just is going to college, do you even know how to read a compass? Do you even know how to read a map? They just look at their phones. I've written a article for using phones in a survival situation for survival dispatch. But what about when that information is no longer longer available? I have maps on my phone. I have a compass on my phone if I need to. But what if that I don't have that? So I love the maps. I love the atlases. And I love the books. So if you um, or I love the compasses. So talking about traveling now, if you're going to need to navigate, I actually put a bicycle down because I'm kind of assuming we're going to I'm kind of going with the long term situation. Gas is really expensive. You might not want to have to get out. I like the idea of a bicycle if you are not in an area where you will be vulnerable traveling with it. There could be people that are opportunistic, predatory, who have not prepared, and you will be an easy target if you are riding a bicycle because that bicycle could be very valuable. The Whatever you're carrying on, you could be very valuable. But for me out here where I live in the mountains and I need to get around, uh, it would be really nice to have a bicycle in those in those times. How about you, Jeff? Yeah, I think that being able to move around is going to be very important to get to uh, neighbors and to other places uh, if there was a grid down type, type situation. You know, we could even have uh, a corneal mass ejection and it could uh, knock out uh, most everything in the grid. There's all kinds of things that could cause this. And I would even say that if you have the ability, and I know you do, and I, I believe Jeannie, you know, even having horses or some other way to mm -hmm. add to that is be a good way to be able to move around in a grid down situation. Well, you know, interesting because in the repurposing animals for a collapse situation, that was another article I wrote for Survival Dispatch. I said, I mentioned you might want to take a Hans, your dressage, you know, warm blood horse uh, and teach that horse out of lumber or drag an elk or something like that or rocket your barrel racer and uh, take that one out there for hunting and that sort of thing so 
you can repurpose your animals as well for that situation. It just takes some training ahead of time. That was a fun article to write too. We talked about repurposing your dogs and cats and other animals. Um, who's next? Did you just do one or me? I think it's your turn. Yes, it is. But I think and then, Suzanne, oh, you know what? Let's before we do that, let's let's yeah. give us some credit where credit's due. You've been doing a lot of editing using Roxanne's music, and I'm absolutely loving how that improves the show. And uh, so let's take a moment to thank our musical sponsor, Roxanne. We'll be right back. I thought you were gone, that you would move on, but you're here on my caller ID. I'm not surprised your delusional mind thinks it might be all right to call me. Music for this program has been brought to you by Roxanne, courtesy of Rat Pack Records. Radio Silence is the album and is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, RatPackRecordsAmerica.com, and RoxanneBand.com. everybody welcome back to the red hot chili prepper podcast i'm suzanne sherman jeff johnson and i are talking about items that might be considered obsolete now but will be considered essential in a long-term survival situation uh we yeah, i'm gonna still- I'm, since uh, since you stole one of mine i'm gonna add one because i was down to only four and i'm gonna take um what's being talked about here because that was one of my ones that i almost put in was books you know, old style cookbooks. What was the other one over here? Let's see. I'll come up here. Jeannie said something about 50 year old encyclopedias. Uh, there's all kinds of things out there that are really good. I showed you before. I, they're just right over here. I have my, um, foraging one. I have one for foraging for food. I have one that has herbal remedies. I have all manner of books that are basically survival type books that are taking situations where I may have to collect stuff out in nature to uh, help supplement what I'm eating. So having books is a huge thing if you're into a situation where you might have to forage or do other things. Well, books was the first thing I wrote down. So probably because I have so freaking many of them. If I live to read all my books, well, that would never happen because I keep buying more. But I I love, while you can right now, get every free informational book you can get and download them. You will have that information. If there's something really prescient to you, print it. Print that out. But get the free stuff while you can. We're talking, we're seeing inflation. Let me just do a quick aside. I spend a ton of money on seed for the wild birds here. I used to get this Econo bag of bird seed that was about 15 pounds for under $4. Yesterday, I bought a bag that was half that size, and it was almost $8. 
So that is a huge increase. So yes, um, get the books can on there, get the things that you need to for free right now. And then I have a ton of books that are not only good, they're, they have so many, first of all, books like some of the ones we have on my website, SuzanneCSherman.com. Uh, I think we have Bastiat, The Law, have books. So if there is some sort of a societal collapse, learn from the mistakes that have been made, because I guarantee you'll have a lot of downtime to read, which is another great reason to have books. It's a way of entertainment. You can educate yourself on true history, get the older books. Also, barter, fire starters. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with the books. And um, yeah. yeah, if you had Karl Marx, that's definitely a great fire starter. Great fire starter. Yeah, let's get rid of it. I, I just want to touch on what you said. I was also going to say that you want to have some uh, books that are just for entertainment, for yeah. leisure, for just for uh, losing yourself in for a little while if if you're in a survival situation yeah you know you're going to be busy and you know you're going to want to have to wind down and relax at some point so even keep some books that are just purely for entertainment yes absolutely uh playing cards another another one as well okay whose turn is it now well i that was mine and i think i took yours and then so uh, i I don't know where we're at i think it's you took it back (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, I'm on my last one anyway. I put down landline phones. I, I bet you most people out there didn't even think about this. So if there was a, say there was a CME, a corneal mass ejection, and it took down the grid, you no longer have uh, satellite phones. You no longer have cell phones. It may have even taken down your digital phone that most people have in their house. They're cordless phones. They're now gone. So how are you going to keep in communication with others? Well, here is what it is. I, they have a picture of old rotary phone in there. The problem with that is it doesn't create its own electric to have, make it work. I keep, believe it or not, some old Vietnam era, uh, era field phones. I, they generate their own power. You crank them up. Uh, they're the TA-1 military field phones. So that way, uh, I have a couple of them. I'd like to get a couple more. I could actually run cable from house to house here or even use the old copper wire that the, uh, the phone company has. And we could then put these in various places. And they're also good for OPs and other things if you are setting up a uh, observation post so that you can keep in touch. So the uh, field phones are great to have in your prep stuff. I just have them stored in cases and they're going to, there's no electronics in them, so they will be fine. And, um, it's a great way to keep your, uh, operational and personal security, uh, with other people around you. Well, and if those old fashioned phones, I remember when we would have power up, you could always use your landline, but you couldn't use it if it was a remote. So if it was a cordless phone, so that's something to think about as well. So, um, okay, good one. They say also candles and candlesticks. I have both, but this is a fun project and this is something I made. I have a couple hundred of these that I have made and these are called, they're just little survival candles. And you don't have to use for canning jars, but once they're used, these jars are ready to go, even the lids. So I have a huge source of, of canning jars and lids ready to go. And I just made these myself. It's a really fun project. And what I like about this is look how sturdy it is. This isn't going to tip over 
like a candle will and a candle holder. This is solid. You can cover it up when you need to. You can have them around the house because as you know, there is a huge risk of fire if you're going to have candles all around your house. So a few of these around will be stable. Obviously, keep them away from windows where curtains can blow if you have that. But if you use these in a safe manner, this is a great way to heat your home. One of these is supposed to give you 100 hours. And you don't, like I said, you don't have to use the specific canning jars. Any glass container can do. But I like the fact that I can store them. They're sealed up. And I put a nice essential oil in there. You can get soy wax. You can get the wicks. You can do all that. It's a super fun project give you that warm feeling. You know what I would also say too, is you really are going to have to change uh, your operations and how you're working. You can't kind of have to go back to the old times where, you know, when the sun goes down, you wind down and you're not up watching TV or reading until the wee hours of the morning. So you have these candles and then you call it a day. And are they made of paraffin, beeswax, tallow? You can do it from whatever you want. I even have some big cans of Crisco oil they said you could put a wick in there and that will burn forever. So I have a few, not Crisco, you know, Crisco the lard. So I have some of that. These, I just bought some soy wax that was cheap. Some people don't like that. Spend the money and get all the um, uh, the fancy beeswax. You go right ahead. Ham radios should be of use. You should be able to hand crank those if you have a way of charging those. Eventually, if they run out of the charge and you can't rely on that, that will be an issue. So it's always important to have ways of charging. You, you know, they have these solar chargers and things like that. But yes, I think a ham radio is uh, an outstanding idea. That's why Jeff and I both got our technician's licenses, got to prepare for the general. By the way, KJ7UCG. KJ7, Utah Cowgirl. I would just ask the, the people that are watching, we have a good crowd watching today. Uh, what would you say is if you have the book and you read the list, uh, what would you add? Is, is something missed on there that you would add to that list of things that are pretty essential that may be kind of old-fashioned that are something that would come back in, in a time of need? I don't know, Suzanne, while we're waiting to see if anyone responds, is, did you have anything else that you wanted to yeah, add we'll for these? because we're running out of time. We're trying to keep the shows about 30 minutes or so. Um, a hand mower. So one of those little lawn mowers that just kind of spins on its own. It's not like your lawn's going to look beautifully <laughs> landscaped and maintained, but it's a great way of keeping tall grass weeds down close to the house where you can get snakes, other predators, a lot of rodents in there as well. And then I'll give one more. And then this is not an exhaustive list. This is a topic I think we will revisit many times because there's great stuff here. Reading glasses. If you need your peepers, to read these labels and instructions or the books that we talked about are important or the maps or the compass, have extras. Every time I go, I find them, you know, when they're on sale, packs free or whatever, <clears throat> and I'll just buy a bunch of them. That's another good um, item to have for barter if you need it. But your preps don't do you any good. Your books don't do you any good if you need your eyes to work with them and you can't see. Oh, I was just sharing some of the responses that we got. Uh, oh, yeah, Jason cool. said at, uh, outhouse and then Andrew said wash tub. That actually, I believe there yep. is, that is in the book. They did yep. say that you need wash tub. Yeah. Uh, and I actually and, uh, have, I and Phil really has one here that I don't know that we can really do much sense, about. Yep. <laughs> that one may not, that may be a hard one to find. That's a hard one. 
Um, I've got, and I have to bring it from my storage house, but I've got this countertop washing machine that you can hand spin around. And then I also have um, the ingredients to make my own detergent. I think that would actually be a good show we yeah. should do in and of itself. Maybe what we'll so do then, is we'll wash okay. some items in there. Nothing personal, you know, but we'll wash some, some things in that. In that um, and then uh, Jason, I just had up, said uh, sickle, uh, mm -hmm. a scythe. So that you could make hay if you do have animals, you you know, if you don't have fuel. It, and that's a possibility here, folks, with uh, the price of fuel going up. If they oh, yeah. continue to push this and the uh, price of fuel gets untenable, you may not be able to run that tractor to make your your hay. You might need a scythe or a sickle or something to uh, actually do it by hand. So, I mean, there is these are th these are great ideas. Oh, and then Phil, yes, we took a soap making class last week. And in know what, Phil, I think I'm going to try and get either Dave or Sue to come on the show and talk about that. We had way too much fun. I think the new policy at Fire to Fire is to never let Phil and Suzanne take a class together <laughs> again. But yes, I, um, I learned how to make soap and I'd always been really intimidated because of the lie and everything else. But once the, once the process is explained to you, uh, it looks like it's doable. Phil, tell me when you're going to try that. I'm, I'm going to try. I've got an old, um, crock pot that I'm going to use for that. And we'll, we'll be doing a show on how to make soap. So unless anybody has some other comments in there, uh, Andrew says cash is in the book, but, um, yes, absent the ones and zeros that uh, if your accounts aren't useless by then, again, barter items, fire starters. That's pretty much what the cash, uh, yeah. cash is going to be worth. Jeannie says shovels, etc. Yes, I actually have hand tools in here. Uh, tanning skills. That's another one that's in the book. I have not bothered to learn tanning. I figure at my age, I can purchase enough clothes and stuff to last me. If I was a lot younger and had the time uh, to put into tanning, it is tremendously labor intensive. My focus is Minimum effort with the highest yield. Not that I'm afraid of hard work, but if you're in this kind of survival mode, you don't have all that you want, uh, your family's struggling, you're under stressful situation, brain tanning or other tanning is the last thing you want to have at the top of your uh, to-do list. Again, it's a very, very worthwhile skill to have. I am not putting it down. I really admire those that can tan their own hides. Yep. And in fact, if you are a tanner and you're good at it, I know a guy out in Idaho, he was actually on the show alone. He's brilliant. He supplies a lot of the hides uh, that we do uh, use for the drum classes we've had here. Great skill. That is a great skill to have for bartering and, uh, and, and trading goods, selling those in a situation like that. So if you are talented, you've got a supply of that. That's your thing. I think uh, in the grid down situation, you'd probably be better off having needles and threads and keeping some uh, some uh, material on hand to uh, repair any uh, clothing that needs to be fixed and keeping just a good supply of extra clothing so that you wouldn't really need to be tanning hides. And if it gets to that point where we're back to tanning hides, probably going to be long gone by then anyway. So Yeah. And like Jeannie says, it's not difficult. It is work intense, labor intensive. And that's my point. It might not be a very difficult process, but it is very labor intensive. And uh, again, hats off to those that are doing it. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. Really fun discussion. 
And uh, if you have any questions about the book, please reach out to me personally. If you're interested in ordering one, lostfrontierhandbook.com is the website. And a lot of people want to buy it directly from me. I only have a few promotional copies here. Some people want them signed. I'm happy to do so. Send me your book. Uh, reach out to me. I will give you the information and uh, we'll include, have you include a shipping label and I'll get it back to you. Please don't make it FedEx. There is no FedEx drop-off anywhere near me. So uh, nothing against FedEx. I just uh, don't have that accessible to me here. Well, this has been the Red Hot Chili Prepper Podcast. I'm Suzanne Sherman, Jeff Johnson with me. We want to thank you so much for joining us today. 